Good morning, church. So, we're working out some kinks. I think we'll get there eventually. Um, for those that don't know me, my name is Pastor Bryce. I am the I am the youth pastor um, here. I almost said worship pastor. That doesn't work out. No, that's Andrew. Um, but we do do worship, so it kind of is somewhat true. Um, it's funny how the Spirit leads. Um, and I just wanted to kind of open with this. Worship to me is a representation of how we can approach the kingdom of God. Um, and perhaps the best way of describing it for me, um, one of the songs that we sing occasionally during worship at youth is, um, it's called Breath of the Father, and the chorus goes like this. It says, so I receive the breath of the Father, and I give it all back to you. I give it all back. I give it all back. I give it all back. Um, and that's how I feel like worship needs to be, right? He's given us, each one of us, he's created us in his own image, and he breathed his life into us. Um, and it's just right that we just give it right back to him, um, and that's how we do it through worship, studying the scriptures and everything. So um, just a quick synopsis. If you guys didn't know, we moved here um, right around the 1st of January of this year. So we're new to Idaho. Um, so this will be our second winter, first summer. Um, and we've enjoyed every minute of it. Um, for a long time, my wife and I were back and forth, different states. We spent some time in Arizona. Um, we lived in Washington both of our whole lives. Um, but recently, once we got offered this position, it just felt like home. We came to this church and visited in the fall of last year, and we came um, the first of this year, 2020. And there's only a couple of places where you know you're called and when you feel home. Um, and that's one of the things that we did feel here. When we got here, it felt like home. Um, which is a praise to the church that's been established and it's a praise to all of you that have been attending. You guys make it home. So thank you for that. Um, as uh, Scott announced, Pastor Tony is still overseas in the Republic of Congo. We just ask for continued prayer that you guys still lift up. He needs it. He needs to travel back safely. Um, and I have, through reliable sources, heard that uh, it's very emotional for him. Um, he's walked all these pastors through all eight sessions, and this is their graduation. So it's been a very emotional trip. Um, he's given me the authority to continue on teaching in Acts. So if you guys do want to open your scriptures, if you haven't already, we are in Acts chapter 5 this morning. Um, and as you guys turn there, um, just kind of synopsis, we're continuing to look at the early church and what separated it from all the other religious systems that were established at this time. Um, so the message this morning I just want to cover, it's is if bit 
if it be of God, with the subtext being, why should we fear? And hopefully by the end of this message, it will be a challenge for you, just like it's been a challenge for me, um, going through not only this passage, but a lot of the scriptures that we've had um, put in to cover this morning. So I will go ahead and read. So we're starting Acts chapter 5. We're starting in verse 34. And I think it's probably on the screen. Um, if not, it'll be in your version app or on um, in your Bibles. So starting in verse 34. Then there stood up one in the council, a Pharisee named Gamaliel, a doctor of the law, had in reputation among all people, and commanded to put the apostles forth a little space, and said unto them, Ye men of Israel, take heed, you yourselves, of what you intend to do as touching these men. For before these days rose up Thaddeus, boasting himself in somebody, to whom a number of men, who were about 400, joined themselves to, who was slain, and all as many as obeyed him were scattered and brought not. After this, a man of Judas of Galilee in the days of taxing and drew away as many people after him. He also perished, and all, even as many as obeyed him, were dispersed. And now I say unto you, refrain from these men, let them alone, for this counsel or this work, if it be of men, will come to naught. But if it be of God, ye cannot overthrow it, lest haply ye be found to be even fighting against God. And to him they agreed, and when these apostles had been called, they were beaten, and they commanded them that they should not speak in the name of Jesus, and they let them go. And they that departed from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer for his name, and daily in the temple and in every house, they ceased not to teach and preach in Jesus' name. So as always, and what's apparent is we need to first look at the context, right? So what is this for? So the context being earlier in Acts, these apostles, this is the second time they've been arrested. And this time it's been pretty plain, um, but while they're in prison, a great earthquake rocks the prison in which they're staying all the doors are opened, um, and they, the men pour out, and they go back to the temple, and they start preaching again. Then that's when, um, and you can see if you go back a couple of days, or a couple pages, or sorry, a couple verses, um, it says when they looked for these men, they were no longer in prison. They actually found them teaching in the, in the courts, in the temple again. So first, we need to kind of look at that. So why was this recorded in the book of Acts? The significance is found, obviously, in what Peter said in verse 29. So looking back, Acts chapter 5, verse 29, Peter said, and all the other apostles answered, we ought to obey God rather than men. Peter and the other apostles could not stop talking about the good news of Christ. They couldn't help themselves. They themselves had seen the resurrected power of Jesus. They'd spent 40 days with him after he, was ro after he rose, and he gave them this decree. He said, go and tell the nations, essentially giving them 
the option. He says, I need you to do what I need to. He says, I've got something to do. I've got to go to the Father. I need you to be my hands and feet. That's what we learn about when we read the Great Commission. We look at what Jesus said. Go, therefore, baptizing in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Peter and the apostles took that and they ran. They could not help themselves. Whatever their methods were, they were obviously being guided by the Holy Spirit that we read about in Acts chapter 2. But their clear response is that the Jewish leaders could not comprehend how they had gotten this power. And Pastor Tony clearly talked about this last week when we read. So just the next chapter previous, chapter, so Acts chapter 4 verse 13 says this, Now when they, so that's the council, that's the Sanhedrin, saw the boldness of Peter and John, and they perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, yet they marveled and took the knowledge that they had been with Jesus. These Pharisees, when they say unlearned men, they were unlearned in the ways of the Pharisees. They were unlearned in the doctrines and philosophies that the Pharisees were putting out. There were two classes of people during this time. There were the religious leaders who thought they were righteous, and then there was the underclass of people who knew they were not, right? And that's when Jesus says things like, if your righteousness, only those whose righteousness exceeds that of the Pharisees will earn the kingdom of God. That's not who the kingdom was sought after, right? Jesus didn't go to the people that thought they were well. He went to those who knew they were unwell, those who knew that they were sick, right? <clears throat> Second, um, I want to cover Gamaliel. Um, for those who are learned in the scriptures, Gamaliel should sound very familiar to you. Um, if you skip down in Acts, you're going to go all the way to Acts 22. So hopefully I'm not jumping too far ahead for Pastor Tony, but Acts 22, starting in verse 3, this is actually Paul speaking, um, and he's talking about his story, right? This is part of Paul's testimony, how he comes to know and follow Christ. And he says this, so Acts 22, starting in verse 3, For verily a man which I am, a Jew, born in Tarsus, a city in Sicily, yet brought up in this city at the feet of Gamaliel, and taught according to the perfect manner of the law of the fathers, I was zealous towards God, ye are all, as ye are all to this day. Paul's literally sitting at this man's feet. We don't know if he's present in the council. It's not said. Um, but Paul, the apostle, was brought up under these ideals. We don't know if, what it looks like as far as how he took what Gamaliel said, whether he took it to heart or not. But if you just skip forward a couple of chapters, Paul is there at the stoning of Stephen. He is a chief persecutor of the early church. He is zealous for God, yet he doesn't take Gamaliel's own advice, right? He says, whatever this, 
whatever my, you know, my elder has taught, like, I'm going above and beyond that. I will persecute these people to the ends of the earth. On the road to Damascus, he is headed to the Damascan church to put down and bring back Christians for not following Jewish law. And this is the Paul that we see his conversion being blinded by Jesus on the road to Damascus. And it's the same Paul that has written a majority of the New Testament. To take somebody who is so zealous and so after persecution of the church and just turn them 180 degrees and he would go to the ends of the earth as is quoted in Philippians, Paul stating, for me to live is Christ, to die is gain. That's the story of redemption. If Paul can be redeemed, who else can't, right? If Paul is literally carrying the coats and watching Stephen be stoned, if he cannot be redeemed, then we have no hope, right? But God saw him, knew he was going to be a very useful tool in reaching the Gentiles. Somebody so zealous for God turned around and went to the ends of the earth for Jesus. So, kind of getting towards the end, this is kind of what I wanted to focus on for the rest of the time. Many of you are probably looking at the insert in the bulletin. I hope you guys take it to heart the way that I have. Um, as the youth have been going through the Sermon on the Mount, um, we spent about a week and a half to two weeks talking about what Jesus meant when he gave us the Beatitudes. Um, so the pamphlet in there covers Matthew chapter 5, 1 to 12. And this is why Peter and Paul are able to, what it says here in Acts chapter 41, or Acts chapter 5, 41, where it says, They departed from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer for his name. How many of us can say the same thing? The punishment that these men went through was a traditional punishment for disobeying the Jewish law. It was 40 minus 1 lashes, so 39 lashes. Many of the people that went through that torture or that punishment died from blood loss. They died from bacterial infections. And they just were either crippled or just put out of commission entirely. I mean, I've probably seen Passion of the Christ a number of times, and I couldn't imagine even the punishment and the pain that he went through. These brothers in Christ went through that, made it through that, and still praised the name of Jesus. That they even were worthy to receive a beating for his name. Could you put yourself in that boat this morning? That's why I feel like it's important. We need to understand Jesus' call. His first message to the people 
is what we read about in Matthew chapter 5. So the Beatitudes list is as follows. Blessed are the poor, blessed are those who mourn, blessed are the meek, blessed are the hungry and thirsty, who, thirst, who hunger and thirst after righteousness, blessed are the merciful, blessed are the pure at heart, blessed are the peacemakers, and finally, blessed are those who are persecuted. Just to cover our bases, we should inherit all of these traits. These are not meant to be personal invitations. The way I put it in the bulletin is it's more of a staircase. Blessed are the poor, as in we need our humility towards God. We need to understand that there is nothing we have to offer our Heavenly Father. Not a thing. People that think they can earn salvation, they're not even on the staircase in, in God's own eyes, right? As we progress up the staircase, it gets harder and harder. I don't want to cover all of them, but it's important. I put scriptural references for each one of these. And I would highly suggest you keep this in your script, in your Bible, as if you put them in Matthew or you use it as a bookmark, whatever. These are how we need to interact with the world. This is how we can fulfill the promise that Christ has said, love God, love others. That's the greatest commandment that he's given us. And if we don't or we're not currently actively participating in what he's telling us he needs to, you know, that we need to do, then you know, why are we here, right? Blessed are the poor, who those who are humble towards God. Those who mourn, those are the same things, right? So when Paul turns from his zealotry and turns towards that which was Christ, that's what it means, right? And I told the kids, I said, deep sorrow or mournful over sin is not the same as guilt. Guilt is from Satan. Repentance is from God. Turning from your sin, realizing that you have no power over it, but you know someone who does. That's what it means to be those who mourn. Meek, it makes you gentle towards others. That's our personal relationships. That's when I can come to my brother and sister in Christ and say, hey, I need your help. Or, hey, I've seen that this is affecting you in your life. Can I help you? Gentleness is the term that I always use for that one. Um, the next step, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Um, this is a hard one for a lot of people. But what I put in there is righteous living is not optional. It's not an option. You're either living righteously for Christ or you're living selfishly for, for the world. There is no in-between, right? You're either living for God or you're living for manna. Um, and Christ has made that clear. Blessed are the merciful. Again, this is coming under... This is God's gift for us. Um, blessed are the pure at heart. This gives us a single-minded focus on God. Um, Blessed are the peacemakers, and this is counted as reconciliation towards others and to God. <clears throat> Once we get past all of those, 
Blessed are the persecuted, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. It's for that reason alone that these apostles were able to stand in the presence of their accusers, stand up after they've beaten, been beaten to, almost to death, and still say, praise be to Jesus. The world doesn't like Christ. It doesn't. It doesn't like what he stands for. It doesn't like what he taught. The best way to describe it is this is an upside-down kingdom. The way that the world perceives God is different or completely turns on the head what we need to do as believers in Christ. Um, So just covering, where's your heart at this morning? Are you willing to stand up for the persecution of fellow believers? Are you willing to stand in the gap for those who are being tormented, those who are being persecuted, those who are living out as if the gospel means something? Right? Just as it says, everything you've given me, I give right back to you. We don't do anything on our own. As believers, we take what God has given us through the gift of the Holy Spirit, and we are called to share that with others. That's why it's called good news. Have you shared the good news with somebody today? Because I'm going to tell you this. If you start sharing the good news with your friends and coworkers, fellow neighbors, you're going to get pushback. Um, and I told, the, I told the youth this. I said, look, when you start living out what Jesus tells us to do here in the Sermon on the Mount, this beatitude list, when you start living it, you will not see it coming. Your friends will stand up against you. Your family will turn against you. Your coworkers. You will feel like you're blindsided. When you're in the spot that God wants you to be, people will come at you. There is a war going on, and we cannot be blind to that which is going on around us, right? The war is not between flesh and blood. It's between the spirits, the principalities, the outer darkness in this world. And if you're not prayed up, if you're not read up in the scriptures, you're going to be just as blind as the rest of the world. So that's my challenge to you this evening, or this morning, (laughs) this morning. Look deeply at where you are. How are you interacting with those around you? What traits are God calling you to work on this morning? How are you working towards your Christ-likeness? These traits aren't optional for kingdom people. The kingdom is for all people, but not all people will stand in the light of what the scripture says. You are only... you cannot just pick and choose which of these you want to do. That's just like pulling scripture out of context. You can't take the Old Testament and say it's not relevant to us today. You can't take one of the the early um, deceptions was somebody took all of Paul's writings and then threw everything else out and said, well, I only follow Paul. Well, Paul followed Jesus, and the Bible is Jesus. From Genesis 1 to Revelation 22, 
That's Jesus. It's the story of Jesus. It's the story how God made God. We fell or we chose to fall, and God redeemed. There's nothing that we can do in this life that will earn salvation. We have to put our faith and trust in Christ and Christ alone. And that's why it's so important that we look at what Christ calls us to be and who he calls us to be. Are you a disciple of Christ? Are you acting like a disciple? I can promise you this. If you are acting out these traits that you see here, if you're following them and you are building your reputation and ideology on who Christ is and declaring that he is Lord and Savior of your life, you will be persecuted. That's not a question of if. It's a question of when and how often. These things happen to all believers. We might not be being beheaded in the streets as it happens in some of the other um, nations, right? A lot of Arab nations. They literally, I was doing um, research on this, they actually have head executioners in many Muslim countries. Their sole purpose is to be a PR for executions of Christians. They go on TV, they're basically like celebrities. Your favorite movie star, your favorite artist, these people are celebrated and they are idolized because of their role in preserving the Muslim traditions. Persecution is coming. This world is changing. It's being darkened every single day. You see it in the news. You see it in the schools. You see it when you turn on the radio, when you watch a movie, when you play a video game. This world does not like the message of the cross because it's not about you and the world wants you to think it is. John chapter 15 is where we're going to end today. John 15, 18. If you guys want to turn there, you can. If not, I'm just going to read it out loud real quick. John 15 states, so 15, 18. If the world hates you, ye know that it hated me before it hated you. Christ was the target. Once he got taken out, we became, we inherited that bullseye. It's on all of our backs. You can either run from it or stand in it. That's the point of this message this morning. That's why I think it's important. Going back to, if it be of God, why are we afraid? Creator of the universe has all power in creation. Why are we so afraid of those that can injure and kill the body when we should only be focusing on that which tames the soul? Eternity matters. There's only two places, ladies and gentlemen. You're either with God or you're at enmity with God. And our internal nature is currently at enmity with God. We are fighting against God. And only through 
Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross gets us on God's side. I don't know about you, but I would rather be on God's side than fighting against God. Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for the saints that were gathered here this morning, Lord. I hope I did your will um, in the scriptures, Lord. And I just ask that we be challenged this week. um, And just know that if it be of God, there is no power on this earth or under under the heavens that can come against it. Lord, just let us focus on you. Let us live our lives in glory to you and you alone. Give us the rest of this day. Let us travel home safe. In Jesus' name we pray.